Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hold the Line. My name's Joe, and I'm a British force-free gun dog trainer. You can check out my online courses at forcefreegundog.com. The newest course is called Training the T Drill. You can also pick up a copy of my book called Force Free Gun Dog Training: The Fundamentals for Success, which is available on Amazon's everywhere around the world. There's also an accompanying workbook to record your training sessions in. I'm currently working on a sequel to Force Free Gun Dog Training. And I hope it's going to be out maybe in about six months. We'll see. That's all for now. Let's get on with the show. Hello, everyone. Happy holidays again. It's day three of my Christmas extravaganza. So. If you haven't caught on by now, between Christmas and the New Year, I am going to be talking about a different subject each day, which people struggle with when it comes to gun dog training. And I've set myself the task of doing this in about fifteen minutes ish each day. So it's not going to be long enough to give you all the detail on exactly what to do, but I do hope to give you the kind of next steps and highlight some resources where you can go and check out some more information. So. Today's episode is going to be on the subject of my dog won't deliver to hand. Train your gun dog without force or fear. Motivate and educate. Hold the line is here. Prevention, repetition, generalization, motivation. Hold the line. So I think when we look across the board at retrieving generally, and we think about the common difficulties that people have teaching their dogs to retrieve, I think the the main difficulties come down to two things. Firstly, the dog not understanding what it is that they're supposed to do, so they don't quite have a fully trained comprehension of the task that is required, and that's because it hasn't been broken down and taught to them in a way that they can understand. And the second difficulty is something, let's just call it keep away tendencies. So the, the tendency the dog has to, to want to keep something to themselves, this sort of possessive quality, which some dogs can have. Now, this is partly genetic. Some dogs do have more of this than others, but there are also things that people do to cause the dog to develop more feelings of this is mine and possessiveness than things that other people do. See, the things, there's stuff you can do to make this better, basically, and there's stuff that you can do which inflames it and makes it worse. And particularly if you do things that make it worse from a young age with a young puppy, you can end up with some quite pronounced problems around the possession of items. And this can even end up in the realms of resource guarding and that kind of thing. So when it comes to the my dog won't deliver to hand problem, the first thing is we have to kind of figure out what the reason is that the dog won't deliver to hand and where in all of this the problem lies. I think as a general rule of thumb, it's really excellent for all dogs to go through the clicker retrieve process. So even if you have a dog and you don't think there are any problems with, I don't know, their pickup or their hold or, you know, other parts of the of the retrieve and you just want to work, say, on the delivery, I still think it's beneficial to train the whole clicker retrieve process and the reason for that is often there are weak bits, which you didn't realize until you came to sort of take it apart and look at it and look at the different component behaviors that go into making up a good retrieve. So 
I highly recommend you take it apart and train the whole thing from scratch. And as you do, you'll notice the bits that your dog kind of does anyway, fluently, and the bits that your dog really struggles with and maybe didn't have as fluent an understanding of as you thought that they did. So that would be the first thing that I would say. In the process of training the clicker retrieve, you are going to be training out any feelings of keep away because the clicker retrieve, at least the version that I teach, is excellent for kind of detraining keep away feelings to the point that when I've been working with dogs that have resource guarding problems, the first few stages of the clicker retrieve is how I love to approach resource guarding. So we don't need a fully trained, perfectly proofed end behavior of delivering something to hand for these dogs that that resource guard, but we do need to take out their feelings about possessing possessing items um, in the presence of people. So I, I tend to find the first few stages of the click retriever excellent for working with resource guarders as well. All right. So in more detail, firstly, let's just give you the other podcast episodes that you can go and check out if you want more help with the clicker retrieve, with any stage of the of the retrieve. So the other podcast episodes to check out are episode 10, 11, 13, 14, 19, 23, and 26. Those are the podcast episodes where I go through the clicker retrieve behavior phase by phase. So do check out those episodes. If you have my book, Force Free Gun Dog Training, you will find there is a big chapter on the clicker retrieve and there are some diagrams showing you how to train the clicker retrieve. It's kind of broken down into the various phases as well. <clears throat> so you might find it useful to follow the book while you're also listening to the podcast because the two things kind of go hand in hand. And finally, I have a, an online course on my platform, forcefreegundog.com. And there's an online course there called Imaginatively the Clicker Retrieve. So, so there's several different resources there. And that's because I think Clicker Retrieve is just, you know, of all of the things that we can use a clicker to do when it comes to gun dog training, I think teaching a dog the Clicker Retrieve is one of the, the kind of most nuanced, most subtle and most useful things that we can do. So um, with all that said and done, let's talk a little bit more in a little bit more detail about the problems and about how we might go, go, go about solving them. So the first thing I want to say is, as always, prevention is important and looking ahead and trying to foresee the sorts of problems that your dog might develop and trying to to not inflame those and not you know make those worse, trying to prevent those, in fact, is really important if you want to give your dog the best chance. So when it comes to retrieving stuff, that means if you've got a young dog or puppy, then you want to avoid the situation where dog picks up an item, which they're not supposed to have from around the house, can be anything whatsoever. And you have feelings of, oh my goodness, dog, you're not supposed to have that thing. And then you go after the dog, wanting to take the thing off the dog. So this is the scenario that we want to avoid or at least prevent happening as much as we possibly can, because every time that happens, we are setting ourselves up in the dog's mind as a person who comes along and takes valuable things away from them. So this is like an anti-retrieve. <laughs> if we want to end up with a dog which wants to bring us valuable things, then the last thing we want to do is teach the dog that we're kind of a threat to their continued possession of the valued item by forcing them to give it up and by chasing them and taking it off them forcefully. So how do we prevent that? Well, firstly, management. So we want to make sure that there is not stuff available to the dog, which we don't want the dog to get, or at least there's not very much stuff available. 
So that means keeping stuff high up, keeping stuff away from the edge of tables where it might be um, investigated. <laughs> it means keeping bins not accessible to dogs who might want to check them out. Um, it just means basically keeping stuff in areas where dogs don't can't access it, if the dog is likely to try to access it. Now, the thing to say about this is if you do this consistently with a puppy, you will end up with an adult dog which doesn't try to do whatever it is. So I'll give you an example of that. In my office right now, I have a bin under my desk, which is full of exciting pieces of paper and probably, um, I don't know, used tissues and um, I don't know what, what other stuff there might be in an office bin. And I know that if any of my dogs here were little puppies, when they were little puppies, they would have loved to come and knock this bin over because it has a flappy lid, which kind of stops the dog from getting into it. But if a dog really wanted to get into it, they could easily get into it. So, you know, if they were little puppies and if I had just left them in this room with this bin with this flappy lid, they would easily have figured out a way to knock it over, to take the tissues out, to rip the tissues into little bits and to have lots of fun with all of that. So what have I done? I have just not left the dog free in the room for long enough for them to get interested in the bin when they were of an age when they might do that. So they would have been crated if they were going to be left in this room for any length of time when they were younger. So now they're adult dogs. And if they wanted to, they physically could very easily get into this bin under my desk, but they don't because they've been prevented from trying to do it when they were younger. So they just don't try to do it. So so that's the first thing I want to say. And this this is a really valuable thing for many, many, many different aspects of dog training. So for example, there's another one with, which goes with um, your dog going upstairs. So I would often get questions from people saying, you know, I don't want my dog to go upstairs ever. Um, and how do I stop my dog from, from going upstairs? And the things I say about this is that if you have a young puppy and you put stair gates up on your stairs and you never let the puppy find their own way through the stairs, through the stair gate. And you do that consistently until the dog is maybe 18 months old, maybe two years old. They just never, never go up there. Never. The stair gate is always there. It's just kind of closes itself all the time. The dog never gets to go upstairs. Then when they're two years old, you can take that stair gate off and the dog will not go upstairs. They just won't. They just won't try to. So so this kind of idea of prevention to the point of extinction is really important in so many different parts of, of dog training, but it's really important when it comes to gun dog training as well. All right, so let's go back. Zoom, zoom, zoom to, I've gone off on a tangent here. I'm supposed to be concise and to the point here. All right, so um, <laughs> dogs, which, right, so picking stuff up around the house. So the first thing to say is management. Do not leave stuff around for your dog to pick up if they're likely to do that. All right. The second thing is, if your dog does pick something up, then instead of rushing after your dog immediately and forcefully taking the thing off your dog, you want to try to make it into a learning experience and something that your dog wants to give up. So you, instead of going to the dog, you would go and get some treats, potentially really tasty treats, because the dog might really value the thing that they've got. So you might need to go to the fridge and just grab a few scraps of meat or something you've got in the fridge. And then go to your dog with the item and show your dog the treats that you have. And if you want to, you can add in a cue like drop because your dog is likely, especially if they're young and they haven't ever done this before. And this is all kind of a new routine thing. They're likely to want to drop the item that they've got in order to get your treats. 
After they drop the item, don't just feed them the treats from your hand because they'll still be standing right over the item they just dropped and that might mean they still have feelings of possession about it. So after they've dropped the item, throw the treats across the room to the other side of the room and when their back is turned and they're over there eating their treats, that's when you pick the item up. Your goal is to pick the item up when the dog's not looking. So if the dog turns around and sees you already holding the item, they don't get feelings of, that's mine, and sort of, you know, doesn't inflame all that possessive stuff. But if they turn around, they see you lunging for the item, taking possession of the item yourself, that does inflame their that's mine feeling. So your job with the treats is to use them in such a way that it causes your dog to turn their back to the dropped item on the floor to run away and not to be paying you any attention when you pick it up. So that's how to kind of prevent a lot of retrieving problems from being built in before you get to the point of training the retrieve. Because when you get to the point of training the retrieve, even if you're doing that with a six-month-old puppy, say, you're not starting with a blank slate. That six-month-old puppy has got feelings about having things in their mouth, about having stuff taken off them, potentially. They've already got that that history by the age of six months. So your job, although you're not going to try to train a retrieve with a really baby puppy, your job is to try to prevent things that are going to be problematic for the future training of the retrieve from being trained in with a baby puppy. I hope that makes sense. So so that's one thing that I would say is really important and will really help with setting up things for training the retrieve later on. And then to look at the the kind of delivery side of things, so that's also part of the retrieve that people have a lot of problems with, is the dog kind of throwing the item at your feet or they sort of make some kind of feeble effort to deliver it to hand, but then somehow it ends up on the floor because they didn't they weren't careful enough about how they delivered it these kinds of issues, or sometimes the dog's sort of flinging it at you and you kind of catching it somehow. So people often have problems with that and they'll say the dog will go out, we'll get the thing, we'll bring it back. But then the last little bit is where we have a lot of problems with the kind of delivering to hand. So what I'd say about that is that comes down to teaching the dog exactly what you want and then not accepting anything less. And by accepting, I mean not not clicking and reinforcing anything less than what you want. Sometimes with the retrieve, people think, oh, my dog did a great run out and they picked it up excellently and they came back excellently and they were steady. And then they just didn't, they just botched up the delivery at the end, but they did everything else so well. And can't I just give them a treat because they did everything else so well? And the problem with the retrieve is if you do give them a treat, you're kind of reinforcing that whole chain. And you're particularly reinforcing the last thing the dog just did, the thing they did just before you gave them the treat or just before you marked. And that unfortunately is the delivery. So if you have a messed up delivery and you still reinforce because you liked everything else, you're reinforcing everything else, including that botched up delivery that happened for the dog. So, and you're really strongly reinforcing that, that messed up delivery. So what you need to do is isolate that delivery. So you, you want to spare yourself the pain of seeing the dog do everything beautifully and not getting reinforced by not asking for everything else. So you basically just go back to pickups from your feet and you teach the dog to target your hand. So you can do that without a retrieve item involved. You can just do it as a hand touch, first of all, which is what we do on my clicker retrieve course. So you would just teach the dog to target your hand, the palm of your hand with their nose. And when the dog can do that fluently without an item in their hand, you can you can ask them to do it while they have an item in, in their mouth, sorry. Um, and you can mark when their nose touches the palm of your hand and you can allow them to drop the item on the floor after you've marked. And that's another thing I'll talk about in a minute. So, so basically we're teaching the dog 
exactly what we want. We want them to keep holding it. And we, when we want them to keep holding it until, until they touch the hand, until they hear that click, in fact. And it's very clear for the dog exactly what the criteria are. The reason why so many deliveries end up in a bit of a mess is that the dog doesn't know which part of your body they're aiming for as they're coming back. Are they aiming for your whole person? Are they aiming for a particular hand? Are they aiming for your stomach? Like what, what exactly, where exactly on you are they putting the dummy? So it really helps to teach them to to have a specific target on your person, which is what the hand target is all about. The other reason why the click retrieve is so powerful is it teaches a dog to hold until they hear the click. So that means whatever else is happening, whether there are treats raining from the sky, whether, I don't know, something falls near them, another retrieve falls near them, um, whatever happens, that they will keep holding until they hear the click. And also that when they hear the click, they will stop. So the click terminates the behavior and they will let go at the click. So in this way, we have complete control over when the dog takes hold of something, how long they take hold of it for, and when they release it. And this gives us complete control over the entire retrieve process. Because let's think about it. We've got control over the beginning and the end of the behavior. So therefore we have pretty much complete control of the behavior. And by the way, this is also what makes the clicker retrieve really useful for situations like the dog exiting water and avoiding the problem where the dog wants to put the retrieve down to shake or just because they just like having water in their coats. They just, for some reason, don't want to continue holding it and bringing it to hand. So if the dog understands not to let go, even in the presence of very distracting things until that click, then they're going to understand that as they exit water as well. It does take a few extra steps to help them generalize it to that situation. But if you've done all the preliminary work indoors, that's a pretty easy thing to do. And it equips you with this really great tool to use when you do come to that water kind of exit, as it were. So the other thing to say about the retrieve and a common problem that people have is dogs which just aren't very interested in it. They just don't really want to retrieve or maybe they'll retrieve very sporadically and not reliably. And people often have problems with that as well. So the clicker retrieve is a solution to that problem too, because what you're doing is you're building a very strong reinforcement history when it comes to picking up objects and kind of holding things. And that's that's basically what you're doing over and over and over again with, with sort of a never-ending infinity of different objects and items. So the clicker retrieve really kind of fixes that as well. And it's quite rapid fire. So you get a lot of reps in a very short period of time when you're doing pickups on the clicker retrieve, which is the, the um, one of the early stages of early phases of the clicker retrieve. So I hope I've convinced you to give the clicker retrieve a go, whatever your retrieving problems are. And if you wanted my sort of top tip on which resource to best follow, because we've got the, the my book with the clicker retrieve stuff in, and we've got <clears throat> these podcast episodes here, and I've also got my online course. I would highly, highly, highly recommend, if I had to pick one of those to recommend to you over all the others, my online course. And that's because it has a lot of video material the thing to say about the clicker retrieve is that more than probably any other behavior, it is very nuanced. There are very subtle things that we're looking for to click for. And there are various different sort of problems a dog can throw at us at different stages. Not every dog presents with every problem, but there are predictable kind of hurdles, as it were, at certain points. And the video material is really, really helpful for showing you exactly what to do. And a video can show you 
what I don't know thousands of words can probably say <laughs> in the video can show you that in probably like one minute or something so that's why the video material is so useful and if I had to pick one medium for you to learn through it would be that so check out the clicker retrieve course on my online site forcefreegundog.com and there's a 40% discount at the moment on all the courses on forcefreegundog.com using the code HAPPYHOLIDAYS2023. And if you just put that in at checkout, you will get the discount off. If you don't, email me at joe at forcefreegundog.com and I will be happy to help. So we'll be back tomorrow with another common gundog problem. But for now, bye bye. Hold the light.